Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir with Nishma Saran Baruch Ben Yehuda Levi, Amelia Basara. Today was a yard of Hashem of Yosef. Someone asked in the schus of Yafit Bas Istam Esther that she should do well on her endeavors. And all should go well for her, Mitzvah. Um, and her family, children. Uh, hmm. Sorry. <laughs> and today, tonight's the outside, of course. Not of course, but those who don't know yet, it'll be Shalbir of Pinchas. Shalbir of Pinchas, my grandfather, my father's father, Allah Shalom. He was a sheikhit, he was a chazan. In very simple words, he was what we call in America an al He arrived in 1947 from war-torn Europe. Uh, Lived in Sons for years. Several of the children were born in Sons, not most. Moved on to a city called Zagush. It was Chazan, it was Sheikhit. He was a Sheikhit, I've said it before actually, uh, by my son who's named after Tzalangiyarin, by his bar mitzvah. One of the people that got up to speak was my son's Malamid actually. And he remembered my grandfather of Israel. He remembered growing up as a child back in Barrow Park. The shechita that someone ate, if they wanted to eat kosher shechita, kosher chicken, they went to Rabbi Israel. So I mentioned he was a chazan. He wasn't just a regular chazan, he was the eighth generation chazan. And. You don't see me for a change. Why is my camera off again? The whole phone is going skablooey. Having difficulties with Skype again. Um, well, it's long. What's going on here? Hello. I don't know what the phone is trying to do. It keeps going on, in and out. I don't know why it's doing that. I knew he was a chazan, eighth generation. And when he came to America, they said it was a second Yasala had come to America. This is ridiculous what's going on here. And... I, I just don't know what's going on with my phone. I apologize. Something really awkward going on here. They said a second Jocelyn had arrived in America. And... I don't know what's going on with this one. I don't know. I don't know why the camera's not working anymore. 
it's not showing on. I don't understand what this. And they'd offered him a stella in the Shem Ramuna Shul in Borough Park. And when he came for what's called a proba, the trial, he arrived there and he came into the shul. And the love of the shul was a little bit taken aback. Because my grandfather had a beard, payas, and a shtraimu. And the love was a little more modernized, apparently. Hence, he did not think that it would be a propos for the chazan to look like and the love isn't. And the people were very, very enthralled with Madhavani, obviously. They took out the windows from the shul so they could put more seats outside. And after all said and done, it was mentioned that the chazan can't look more chassidishi than the chazan than the rav. And the chazan said, he's not going to change. The chazan will stay the way he is. And if the rav doesn't want to become more chassidish, then so be it. And he turned down this prestigious stellar. This is very, very disturbing why this is working like this, why I'm not getting my camera. I'm going to give you a break a minute. I'm going to go out of Skype a moment. I'm going to try to reboot my phone. So give me about two minutes back. Hope you're not going to miss too much of this year. Explain to me why my camera is off here. I don't know. This is Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas, and this Shabbos, the Shabbos Mevorchim Menachem Ov. It's the second of the Shabbos, Shabbosim of the three weeks. It is still not the three weeks, it's still not the nine days. Rishchidish will be Meir Tzashem on next Friday. As we will bench the Chedesh this week. Also customary during the three weeks, the Shirim during the three weeks, we add a little bit about the laws pertaining to the Beis Hamidash, known more popularly as Hilchais Beis Habachira. See if this phone is going to act up a little better now. So, in Meretz Hashem, we will learn in Hilchas Beis Abachira a little bit. From Hilchas Beis Abachira, we will study the three subjects of Hilchas Beis Abachira. One is. Karma is working. One of the three subjects is Navi Yecheskel, where he prophesizes the third Beis Hamikdash. Not prophesizes, but rather rather received a prophecy 
from God where the angel comes to him and takes him for a tour of the third temple. Also, see if everybody's in here. Four participants. I don't know what four. Okay. Also, we learn Mishnayis Midas. I'm on now. Okay. Mishnayis Midas. Which is the Mishnayis that talks about the second base Hamidash, all the measurements, otherwise doing that now. Okay, now you have video. Okay, the video is working now. Scranton. Yes. Okay. Now I gotta try to mute this thing. Poor network connection. I don't know why I have a poor network connection. That's the problem here, apparently. Okay. Okay. And we learned the three things for the base of Bechira. We said before, Navi Yecheskel, and the Mishnayis Midas, and the Rambam. Let us begin, of course, with the Pasha. Pasha's Pinchas. The last week's Pasha, Bullock, finished off with a deadly plague that broke out among Klai Yisrael, amongst the Jewish nation, punishing them for the sinning with the daughters of Meav, and of course also worshipping their gods. In the interim, Zimri, who was the Nasi of Shevet Shimon, went out and took a princess from Midian and took him to took her to his tent. Obviously, Moshe the Canaan was stunned to see a Nasi of a Shevet do such a thing. The only one that took note and Recourse, remembering the laws that Moshe had taught about such a situation, was Pinchas. And therefore Pinchas goes and he enters the tent of Zimri and caught him sinning with Midianite woman and kills him. And the plague stops. This is our story as the Parsha begins. Why did Pinchas remember this rather than anyone else and implement it correctly? Ted explains, highlighting Pinchas's ancestry. Pinchas ben Elazar 
ben Aaron HaKoyin. Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron the Koyin. We know Aaron's attribute. His main attribute being he excelled in Ahavas Yisrael, in love for a fellow Jew, and persistently concerned himself with the well-being of fellow Jews. And this gave him a chayis, this gave him life, and he not only energetically applied this to each and every Jew, he went out, and he went out on the limb, as we say in America, to see to it, to impress the Avas Yisrael that he had for other Jews. And he pursued peace. He was Ayyav Shalom, he was Reyav Shalom. Ayyav is Habriyais and Makarvan Latayra. He loved peace and he chased peace. He loved the fellow nation, the fellow Jew, and he brought him closer to Taylor. As we spoke when Aaron, we spoke about Aaron's passing, how the entire nation mourned his passing, because he was so involved with the entire nation making sure there was peace between people. When Moshe and Aaron stood before Pari, and they daringly demanded the Jewish nation be freed, Aaron did most of the talking. Later, the Jews received the Torah. And when, we received, when they received the Tera, we know the story of the golden calf. And when Moshe comes down and says, what happened? Aaron took the blame. Spare the people from God's wrath. He took the blame. In Aaron's merit, we have the Anani HaKoved the clouds of glory that protected B'nai Yisrael in the desert. We have, of course, different opinions of what it's all about. How this exactly worked, what were the Ananiya Kaved, and were there two different clouds? Because you do say Ananiya in plural, and according to one opinion, the Ananiya Kaved disappeared when Aaron passed, but the Jews still had a cloud around them. Therefore, as a grandchild to this man, a grandchild to Aaron, Pinchas inherited this love for a fellow Jew. This unconditional love, this dedication, this devotion for the well-being of a fellow Jew. So as as a plague began to kill one Jew after the other, Pinchas became frantic and he started to search a solution. How do I stop, God forbid, this plague from taking, God forbid, yet another life? And his desperate desire to save fellow Jews, he was the one, therefore, that recalled this halacha that everyone else had forgotten. And this motivated him to literally, literally risk his life and to implement the law and ultimately stop the plague. So therefore the Torah says, Pinchas ben Olazar, 
ben aharen hakayin. Because the source of Pinchas's profound love for his people, which dictated the way he thought his thinking process, drove him to absolute self-sacrifice. What was that? That was his direct lineage to Aaron. Zimri, nice fellow, he was the leader of the tribe of Shimon, Nosi the Shimon. And sinned with a, as we said, a princess from the Midian. And Pinchas, knowing the law that Mesha taught regarding the situation, courageously entered Zimri's tent and killed him. And what does Pinchas get? Kuhuna. Tachas ashekine lelikov vayichapra b'nei Yisrael Because you did what you did, he nesnei zbrisi shalim and he became a kayin. And so his future descendants become kahana. Question is, his father was a lazar. Grandfather was Aaron. Why wasn't he a kayin? And there are many different mefarshim as to how that worked. Who became an actual kayin amongst the shvatim? Everybody came from Shevet Levi. Not everybody was a Kayan. There were those that were Levi, and Moshe remained a Levi. Moshe became a Levi. So becoming a Kayan was a ritual, actually. It wasn't automatic at the time. Tremendous reward. Tremendous. It's not just story that I've told a million times the guy that came to the rabbi and said rabbi I want to be a levy the rabbi says you want to be a levy can you think of anything else you want to be what do you expect me to do rabbi I'll give you a thousand dollars make me a levy what a levy is a birthright son rabbi I'll give you ten thousand Rabbi starting to look for Hatanim. Starting to look for a way to do this. Ten thousand dollars is something to salivate over. But he hesitated, and as soon as he hesitated, the guy says, Rabbi, how much is the mortgage on the shul? The mortgage on the shul? I'll pay off the mortgage of the shul. I want you to make me a levy. <laughs> what more could he ask for? No problem, brother. And he paid the mortgage of the shul, and that Shabbos, the rabbi makes a whole production, makes a Misha Beirach, makes a Misha Parah, makes whatever he has to make, and whatever he could make, and calls his fellow up for Levi. The man's ecstatic. They make a tremendous Kiddush. I mean, after all, the shul can afford it now, they're not paying mortgage. A tremendous Kiddush for the new Levi, <laughs> and during the Kiddush they're drinking a little Chaims and the rabbi turns to him and says Zog mir mankin, tell me what was so burning <coughs> that you needed to become a Levi he says rabbi my father was a Levi my grandfather was a Levi 
I want to be a Levi. No, no. As long as he paid the mortgage. And I'm not going to blame So Pinchas became a Kayin. Tremendous reward here. For what? Shekinah Lelikov? He was zealous? What is Kinah Lelikov? Rashi explains, he raged God's rage and avenged God's vengeance. No. Nice thing. So the sin that Pinchas avenged, in other words, is considered an affront to God Himself. More so than any other Aveda, than any other sin, other transgression. Why? Why? What is this Aveda? What happens here? Chassidus explains. When a Jew does an Aveda, any of the Taylor commandments the soul of his body, his, his neshama, the etzim of his neshama, his essence, goes into a little bit of exile. Because it's against the will of the neshama. There's certain parts of the body, though. If a person sins with those parts of the body, which draw the essence and fabric of the person, it's way worse. That's literally the essence of the living soul. But the person still remains a Jew. And his godly energies remain holy but in a state of exile and captivity until he repents. However, if a child is born from it, from this prohibited union, then this illegitimate child who draws life from the souls that conceived it is still Jewish, provided the child's mother is Jewish. A child born, though, from a non-Jewish mother is not Jewish. So a sin that Zimri, Zimri causes an essential damage to the material of the Jewish body and soul. And he causes something that's going to become totally not Jewish. And this is a breach in the inherent distinction that God created between Jew and Gentile. This explains why God rewarded Pinchas with Kahuna. Priesthood. What is Kahuna? It's a reality of nature. Rashi compares it elsewhere unchangeable realities of day and light day and night day is day and night is night you can't change that and so too is a Kayin but because Pinchas was zealous for God and he avenged 
Zimri's attempt to Rahman al-Islam reach the nature's distinction between Jew and Gentile, God rewarded him with a breach of nature as well, granting him kuhuna, which was a step above. Question remains, what did Pinchas really do? He was very, very distraught over the fact that what? That the Jews were not behaving? No. He was distraught that Jews, Rahman al-Islam, were dying. And he went out on the limb to look for a solution to stop the plague. To stop Jews from dying. So he's rewarded with this tremendous reward that we just said, Kahuna. Let's take a little walk in history. Not many years before Pinchas did this heroic act, there was a man named Moshe. He protected Jews from God's wrath many times. Do we find that Moshe gets any kind of reward that his generations can reap from it? Not only the answer is no. When Moshe steps forth, and he requests that his children inherit his position, he's explicitly denied by God. So not only did God not come and tell him, you could or you can't, he pleaded on his children's behalf, and the God said no. Wow. Wow. You want to tell me now, that what Pinchas did is that much greater than Moshe. After all the times that Moshe saved the Jews, what was so unique about Pinchas more than Moshe? Moshe saved the Jewish people by beseeching God to forgive their sins, to retract the harsh punishments that they faced. God said He's going to destroy the Jews after the Chet Eagle, the sin of the golden calf. And Moshe said, Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Erase my name from the Torah, but don't do that. And each time that God wanted to destroy the Jewish nation, Moshe stood and prayed on their behalf. Pinchas, in contrast, saved the Jews through action. He went heroically and killed the sinful prince of Shimon and made it open Kiddush Hashem. 
sanctified God's name before all of Israel. And with this Kiddush Hashem, he caused everyone to come and do tshuva. He stepped, he put his right foot forward, and by putting the right foot forward, the entire nation said, Oh, we need to do a reality check. He stopped a deadly plague. This plague was going on. What happened? It just took a screenshot. I don't know what this is. It's scaring me. Yeah. The deadly plague was going on and people were dying left and right. And Pinchas stopped it. Moshe went up for 40 days and 40 nights. Did not eat, did not sleep, and he prayed on behalf of the Jewish nation. Nobody saw. This was directly up on high between him and God. And he prevailed. He saved the Jews. Pinchas, though, his action elevated the nation. Sometimes, you go to help a person. And you help a person, and you'll give them a boost on their car battery. And they'll start the car, and they'll drive to their next destination, turn off the car, and they can't start it again. You helped them, but you didn't really give them any solution to that problem. Sometimes we go to, we help a person in a mental capacity, a psychological, in a, phys, in a level that we help the person, we help them with their self esteem, we help them with their inner strength, we help them with their energy we help them face trials, tribulations, obstacles but we, how did we help them? we gave them a book they have a choice to read the book or not to read the book if they read the book maybe they'll understand the book and maybe they'll do what they have to do in the book and therefore yeah maybe they'll be helped Maybe they won't read the book. And they're back where they started. But you helped them, you gave them the book. And then there's a time where you embrace the person. And you show the person the unconditional love. You make the connection with the person. And you guide the person every shrit and trit, every step of the way. then the connection remains and gets stronger and stronger by the second. And thereby, you're helping the person on a constant basis, perpetually. Moshe put his spiritual life on the line. For the Jewish people. He told God, forgive them, if not, erase me from your book. 
Pinchas went out on the limb. He went out in front of the entire Shevet Shimon. He went into the Shevet Shimon. He went into the tent of the Nasi and killed him. People loved Zimri. He was the leader. I've spoken about Pinchas many times in many different shirim. There's many different stories. Gimaras and Medrashim. According to one, Pinchas actually got killed. I mean, let's be realistic. He went into the Shevet Shimon and killed the, the, the Nasi. So according to one opinion, he actually got killed. And that's how Pinchas Elio, because the Nisham of Elio then came into his body, and henceforth he was Elio, according to some opinions. But that doesn't really work, because Pinchas Elio means that Pinchas was Elio. Elio was in essence, and then he became Pinchas. But it's not something we're going into now. But Pinchas went out on the limb, physically involved himself. So the underlying uniqueness of Pinchas and his efforts was his focus not an assistance and illumination from above rather transforming and elevating something on this world taking the darkness and lighting the candle within the darkness so that everyone around becomes illuminated so that everyone becomes lit up and he harnessed this in his physical body he used it as a chariot a chariot for the Ratzon Hashem, for the divine will of God. Not only in his own, but in others as well, inspiring them to transform their lives and see to it that they return to Hashem. You have to understand, they weren't really major sinners at the time. They are still the generation that Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching. But any slight deviation of way at that time was obviously severe. And in this way, Pinchas not only saved the Jewish people in that moment when God was so angry, but he gave them a permanent and lasting change in how they relate to God. As the person that gives that permanent and everlasting lessons, life lessons, to the person that they want to connect and to be connected with on a perpetual basis forever. So therefore, since his efforts were uniquely grounded, shall we call them, in their nature and their effects, so his reward was also something that was an eternal covenant. It was firmly established not only for him, but for all his descendants and generations to come, for all time. And that's what Pinchas' reward was all about. In Pasha, we go to the Yom Parsha discusses many different topics actually. Although the Pinchas is the name of the Parsha, 
which is obviously the theme of the Pasha, which is obviously the lesson of the Pasha. I'd like to one more point to go on. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara and Sanhedrin, I have to keep score myself, pay Beis Amad Beis, 82 side 2. Gemara tells us, Kashep Holach Pinchas, the Kanez Kinas Hashem, Lakas Zimri Ben Salu. When Pinchas went to kill, to take the revenge and kill Zimri Ben Salu, who desecrated God's name with the Isha Midianis in the eyes of the Jews, many miracles happened. The Gemara says, this Gemara we just quoted, Sanhedrin, Pebezim and Bez. Shisha Nisim Nasule. There were six miracles happened to him. And the Chazal tell us there's maybe even twelve. So we keep in score on another Gemara, Gimsech, this Brachis, and Nunvova Mid Bez, 56 side 2. That tells us, If anyone sees Pinchas in their dreams, Something in wonder is going to happen to him. And Rashi explains, Just like happened to Pinchas. What's Pele? What's this wonder? Why didn't it say Ness? A miracle should happen to him. We know, we just said, that there were miracles that happened to Pinchas, not plays, not wonders. The difference between a mess and a pele, a miracle and a wonder, is something that's placed above nature. Both of them are above nature. So what in essence is their difference? A miracle, a ness, something that alters nature. The laws of nature bend and are broken for this ness, for this miracle to come into fruition. But, still in all, the need, the necessity to cause this shows that there's a value in what's going on. And therefore we see the greatest, the, 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 how much greater is a wonder. A wonder doesn't affect nature at all. There is no nature involved at all. Kriyas Yamsuf was in S. When Elio stood on Harakarmel and a flame was sent down to consume this garden, that was a pella. It was a wonder. 
They are the wonders of the world. Why is this light chasing me? Can I know? Maybe that's a little better. This was the greatness of Pinchas. The miracles that happened to him were not something that had to do with something private. That each one needed to renew itself from the ways of nature. It was one big wonder. Higher than the date than the the realm of nature. And therefore the reason that Akash Baruch Hu conducts himself with Pinchas in a way of a pella of wonders because that's what his actions were. His actions were in the way of wonders, did not fit the laws of nature. And therefore God acted with him, Midah, Kenegad Midah, to keep his score at home, the Gemara Saita, Chesamid Beis, 8, side 2. Therefore, Ness and Apella, in the service of God, their explanations are Messias Nefesh, abnegation. And that's two ways of doing it. A ness, a miracle, that the general Aveda, the general service to God, is a regular service. If need be, then the person goes and reaches down until Messias Nefesh. Pela, on the other hand, wonders, is a, ne- a, a service to God which is total Messias Nefesh, higher than Terechateva person gives himself totally to the want of God. So much so, that he yearns nothing. And therefore he has Mesiris Nefesh for everything. This was the level of Pinchas. He was at a level of Mesiris Nefesh, Mehus Etzim. His essence was Mesiris Nefesh. And therefore he endangered his own life in something that you didn't have to do. If they would have asked a Shiloh, am I allowed to go do this and end up maybe getting killed for it? It would be halacha ain't made in Cain. Again, the Gemara, the same Gemara, Sanhedrin, they base him at Aleph. The halacha ain't made in Cain. The halacha is this is how it has to happen, but you don't have to do it. But since his whole essence was Mesidus Nefesh, he didn't ask any questions. Threw himself into the fire. This is what we need to learn from Pinchas. To be Jews of Mesidus Nefesh Be'etzim. Our Etzim And to involve ourselves in Chizuk Adas, strengthening the religion for people, spreading Teda through Mesidus Nefesh, We don't, we don't look past any kind of uneasiness, any kind of hardships. We give ourselves totally to fulfill God's will. And then we're 
if we do it right, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is matzliach our work in a way of a pella. And it brings repel, the ge'ula, amitas, v'ashlema, v'mheira v'yameinu. And so should it be for each and every one of us, as if we see Pinchas in our dream, and pella, wonders, should happen for you. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of emails and questions. How do I know it's Pinchas that I saw in the dream? So I check his license. Um, will he say, Hi, I'm Pinchas, I brought you Pellas. Uh, let's move on to the Pasha. Moshe ends up in another confrontation. One that he was never, ever looking for. One he was never anticipating, never expecting. And he's had plenty of them in the desert. Many a times, many a Jews confronted Moshe. The water with the Yamsaf, with the Nizwa. They didn't let him leave. They let him live. And now they're dividing up the land. And comes five women. And they want to know. Why is our our father's name being taken out? The daughters of Tzlovchad. And they said, we have to get a chilek also. Where we going to live? And therefore the Pasuk tells us, they say, Avinu meis b'amidbar. Our father died in the desert. Then before they go any further, they say, by the way, He was not those guys that joined up Kairach's army. He died with his own sin. And he has no sons. So now the daughters came to complain, what's going to be with our inheritance? Why do we lose out? What does our father's name lose out? Rashi explains, and if you're looking in Gemara, you want to keep score about that, Mesech the Shabbos Tzedek on the bottom of the second side of Amit Beis. In their words, the Bnei Tzlavchad meant to say, our father was not part of any conspiracies. Our father was a good man. He didn't come with those complaining with Kairach. He didn't come with the other things that came about, other plagues. His sin and his sin alone did he die. Nobody was influenced by him to sin, God forbid, Nobody else followed suit with him. It was only him that he sinned. What was his sin? Rashi brings two opinions. Rabbi Akiva says, He was the man that went and chopped wood on Shabbos. Because everybody was saying, I hear there's halachas, I hear there's laws 
referring to Shabbos, how viable are they really? How tangible are they? Do they have hands and feet? And therefore he went out and chopped wood and showed everybody, look, person is going to be killed for doing it. Leftovers of a different total situation. Why did his daughters not say what his sin was? His sin. This is out of respect for Kibbutz. It would have been embarrassing to their father to tell in front of Moshe Rabbeinu how he died, why he died for. But definitely he should know it was not because he uh, he fought against Moshe. And they figured Moshe himself would understand what the sin was. We still need to understand what was so important to know what he sinned. Why didn't they just stand in their own merit? Father's dead. There's no brothers. Therefore they're asking for inheritance. Why do they have to enumerate the cloud that their father died for whatever reason? The Benet Slavchad knew very well that they relied on the HaKadosh Baruch Hu's guarantee the Jews in Mitzrayim I'm going to take you out I'm going to bring you to the Holy Land and I'm going to give to you an inheritance and this was given to everyone that left Egypt the generation of the, of the, of the desert their Amidbar lost their merit so their inheritance was was commuted elsewhere. Whereas these daughters, what was that? These daughters, their father also received this guarantee. He didn't sin any sin. That had to do against the land. Therefore, there's no reason that he should lose his inheritance. So much so that his daughter should not get anything. And this lies the Machlekes Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Rabbi Akiva was one that always found schusim for Jews. Therefore, he said the sin was Chil Shabbos a private sin from one person. Also happened according to one before Mount Taylor, so it wasn't so severe. Reb Shimon, on the other hand, said we need to figure out how the sin and the daughter's complaint were together. Therefore, he says, Minam apilim, What's ma'apilim? They gave their lives up. They tried to go into Hetzel even after the Miraglim stopped. Even after the decree of the Miraglim not to enter. 
So if he was such a pioneer that wanted to go into the land so desperately, then obviously he deserved an inheritance. And we see that HaKadosh Baruch is Mekabal, their complaint. He accepts their complaint and he shows the great Kayach of Tshuva. Since the Messias Nefesh of the Mapilim, the daughters were Zecha to inherit in the land. And the same way also, what we have merited here in our Golos, that we should be Zecha the Mheira the Gula Mitzvashlema, Ayyadei Mashiach Sidkeno in the Holy Land. And we should all get our part in the Holy Land. They were equal. All the daughters. Not one holier or greater than the other. And therefore, Rashi tells us that the order which they're mentioned today in this parsha is not the same as the order they're mentioned in other parshas. And the reason is because they were equal par. Their kedusha was all the same. And therefore, the Torah mixes up their names to show that they are equal no matter what, when or where. The Navi Yecheskel found himself in a dilemma. A wind lifts him up and brings him to a mountain. And he sees the soul in a prophecy. And in the prophecy he sees a man of gold, of copper, who is an angel. And the angel gives him instructions and gives him a live virtual tour of the Besamidah Shashlishi. And he takes him from gate to gate and room to room. And he tells him before he starts, Ben Adam, he says, listen well, devote your heart, give me your soul, give me a whole essence, because I want you to tell this to the Jews. And the reason, of course, being because after the Churban, the Jews were in despair, what will ever be, where will we ever end up? Hence, The Malach tells Yecheskel Hanavi, make sure that the Nevuah of this third temple should be so vivid, so clear to everyone, they should feel as if they are entering the third Besamikdash any second. And this is the job of the Navi Yecheskel. The Mishnayis Midas in turn talks about the second Beis HaMikdash. And we rely a lot on a Tanah Rebbe ben Yaakov, who was still in the time of the second Beis HaMikdash. But yet, there is one part in the Mishnah where the Mishnah is not sure what it is, and Rebbe ben Yaakov says, I don't remember. Other Tanayim interject. But we see the importance and significance 
of the Tanoim in Mesechtis Midas, where they come and they tell us over what happened and how the second Bishamidash was, so that we too should live, relive, and remember. Because by living the Beis Hamidosh, by reliving the actions in the Beis Hamidosh, we, the Asuli Migdash V'Shachanti B'Seicham, we are the Migdash that God requires each and every one of us. Our body is our tabernacle, is our temple. And we house the soul of God. And therefore it's our mission that we elevate and we bring this to the highest levels possible. The Rambam in the Halachis of Hilchas Beis HaBechira goes through as well some of the some by Sheni very, very similar to the Halachis that we learn in the Mishnahis. The difference being sorry, that the Rambam is all Halacha. And although the Rambam tells us that the Levim's job was to watch, the Kahanim had their places to watch, the Levim had their places to watch. Had a lady fallen asleep, he was beaten with a stick. And the person that, the supervisor, could have lit him on fire if need be. And therefore, the Mishnah goes back and tells us when they were screaming in the Beis Hamikdash, they asked, "What is that screaming?" And they said, "The voice of the lady is getting his clothes burnt because he fell asleep on his nishma." May we merit that in these three weeks we turn the weeks of sadness, the sasin of the simcha, to joy and to happiness. And we merit to actually see the third Beis Hamikdash and be there this Shabbos in Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh. I wish you Shabbat Shalom to all. And we we'll talk about Rishchidish of Mitzvah next week.